Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Board Gaming Doctor. My name is Phil, and I'll be your Board Game Doctor today. In this episode, I quickly want to go through my top 10 most anticipated titles and games coming out from Gen Con. The stipulations here for what goes on my list are games that are going to be released or soon released around this time of year, July and August, and uh, they are going to be potentially for sale at Gen Con. There could be some demos here. I'm not 100% sure. I kind of went through these quick, but at the very least, there's going to be at least maybe some copies available, or it'll be shortly released thereafter and before Essen is here in October. So there are some titles that are here for demo that I know will be available in at, at Essen time that I will cover on a future, future episode, of course. But I wanted to go through a quick, you know, few titles that really caught my eye. There are some here that I'm not going to talk about that will that were just announced around this time as well, with most likely some demos later. In particular, uh, Nucleum, uh, which is a game from Simone Luciani and David Turksey. That is supposed to be, and I'll, I'll talk more about it, but uh, you may have heard the announcement through the Dice Tower, and that is one game that I'm really excited about that will probably be a top contender for me uh, for one of the best of this year. But having said that, there are a couple of other uh, honorable mentions that I'll, I will mention here at first, like my 11th and 12th spot being uh, one is Oathsworn. This is a game that has been discussed really in depth uh, throughout the earlier part of this year. And so I think there's, there's probably going to be some copies available at Gen Con which is why it's on the list, but I know that it's kind of a Gloomhaven-esque uh, experience with multiple scenarios and more Euro-style card mechanics to, uh, you know, take place in a scenario against a boss, and, you know, and so it's a really popular game, really high reviews, and so that is one to keep track of. I don't know if it's uh, fully backed, or I mean uh, fully received by backers yet, I'm not sure. And the other game that I wanted to mention quickly is Isla and Something Shiny, which is a one-player game. Kind of you choose an adventure-style game, which I usually don't play, but it is from the designer of Age of Civilization, which is a game that I've really come to love in the past month or two. And so I want to keep my eye on that game for now as well. But let's go ahead and talk about my number 10 game, which is The Search for Lost Species. This is the sequel to uh, The Search for Planet X, which I've reviewed recently. And there are some differences here in The Lost Species that um, makes it a little bit different from the uh, first game. One being that there is a hex board and that there are, uh, you know, the ability to kind of travel to different parts of these hex boards is important to be able to find out what is there. Uh, to simulate you going to like in into the jungles you know to find the lost species that you're looking for i think there are some streamlined uh, changes made to things like conferences and whatnot but you know it the search for planet x is a highly regarded game and to have a, a reiteration of that game with a new theme and some um you know different mechanics as well uh, all of it most of it is app based as well uh, makes it a, an anticipated game to see how well it will do. My number nine is Fairies and Magical Creatures. This game is by Glenn Drover, who is the designer for Mosaic, A Story of Civilization, which is a game that I absolutely adore and have had many fun times with. And in this particular game, even though the theme and the I think the gameplay as well is a little bit 
uh, not watered down, but um, made a little bit lighter for more of a family type experience. There still seems to be some elements of area control and card play that feel reminiscent of Mosaic. And so if if it's kind of a Mosaic-esque experience in a more family-friendly version, and maybe that is shorter as well, then I suppose it would be good to have on my radar. And if I do get the chance to play it, then that is great. But I, you know, because of the pedigree of, you know, forecoming this game, I think that's why it made my list at number nine. Number eight is Cascadia Landmarks. This is an expansion to Cascadia that has been released soon. It features new scoring cards and habitat tiles. But in addition, there's a module called the Landmarks module, hence the title, which offers new ways to score based on different habitats that you include on your board, uh, the size of these habitats, and, and landmarks that you place in them as you would animals. And I believe based off of the amount of habitats as well as what type of animals are included, in these landmark locations can deem you, uh, redeem you points in different ways from the base game. And so there's just additional opportunities to score with this expansion, as well as additional scoring tar- um, cards and habitat tiles to add some variety, which is always nice in this really good game. So that's Cascadia Landmarks. Number seven is Inside Job. Now, this is a new trick-taking game. There's been a lot of trick-takers recently. Uh, this this game, um, well, trick takers in general, I'm notoriously bad at um, within my play groups, and uh, most people like to play the crew with me so they can laugh at me, and <laughs> and I laugh at myself, of course, as I you know <laughs> make mistakes, and other people do as well, and so it's just a hoot to do so. But you can also play the crew, you know, as a cooperative campaign, and and make it as serious as you want, right? Uh, so Inside Job t- is sounds like it's a marriage between trick-taking and a social deduction game, such as the Resistance Avalon or Werewolf, right? And so um, I've, I've really enjoyed games like that, too. That's, you know, a, a big part of my past. I I've, may have mentioned on the podcast before where I came from as a gamer was first with these more... Uh, party style social deduction games is you know this is what the those are the type of games that we were playing weekly with friends right and so uh, before I got into the wider uh, scope of the hobby and it, more into like hero games and things but I think this would be a fun time I, I think with the trick taking and I can just see myself being bad at trick taking and making it so that it looks like I'm one of the you know the inside job you know the the bad guys or something like that right and so uh, it can, uh, you know, laughter will ensue and it, it should be a good time. But uh, so I am excited to at least try out this game, which is Inside Job. Number six is Life of the Amazonia. So this game has, uh, it, it kind of looks like Cascadia, actually, uh, both in theme as well as gameplay. You have um, a tableau of tiles that you're building out in front of you with different, like, habitats as as it were in cascadia but here they're different terrain types and you can put animals in them as well but i think there's a little bit more complexity involved uh, there are different ways to score these animals of course but you can move them throughout your terrain uh, uh, based off of you know actions that you take and uh, there's like a three-dimensional um, space or a track that you're moving up as well and you know that looks interesting and so there's a little bit more going on with this game than perhaps cascadia uh, does as it meets the eye. Now, if, is that a good or bad thing? I don't know, because Cascadia is a pretty streamlined game. It's easy to learn. 
it's difficult to master, uh, relatively difficult to master. And so uh, will the added rules complexity of life of the Amazonia get in the way? Uh, will the uh, you know possible duplication of theme as well kind of make it not stand out? I don't know. But it does look fun based off of the images, and we'll see how it well it does. And that's Life of the Amazonium. Now let's go to the top five. So my fifth uh, game that, or top, you know, fifth game that I am excited about is actually Disney Lorcanum. I've mentioned before that, you know, I've, I've done a review recently on Magic the Gathering, and I've had opportunities to get back into trading card games recently. And it's been fun. And Disney Lorcana also was in the mix of when I was learning more about magic for the first time for myself. And Disney Lorcana not only looks great because of the Disney characters, but the gameplay looks interesting as well because it seems like it's a kind of a version of Keyforge if you've played that before. I've, I've played it with my wife years back and really enjoyed the alternate approach to a trading card game where you're trying to fulfill an objective of getting like three different keys in, in that game. Uh, here you're trying to reach, I think, 10 something or something rather like have 10 ink pots or something. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize for the uh, ignorance, but I, I have seen some gameplay, albeit months ago, and that's why it's hard for me to remember the rules. But it does look a little bit different and it doesn't deal with like HP or anything like that. Uh, you know, as a trading card game of itself, like it may suffer from, uh, you know, does your opponent have better cards than you do? Do you draw? Do you have the luck of the draw with you? And it does does it uh, end up being a kind of a top deck experience as well? Once you run out of cards to play, does it you know does it end up being like that? I don't know. And so I th- I think there are some uh, you know there there are some potential challenges for me to really get into and enjoy Lorcana, but it does seem like a fun game to at least collect. You know maybe. We'll get a starter deck here and there and uh, and just have some of that available. And maybe as the kids grow up, maybe we'll be a little bit more into it and have an opportunity to play with them as well based off of the IP. But for that reason, and, and I mean, a lot of people are really excited about this game, of course, despite the uh, litigations and, and, and uh, you know, the uh, legal battles that is, has happened in the past. But we'll see uh, how well Disney Lorcana holds up. My number four is Barcelona. Uh, this is a game that has been talked about a lot recently. I believe this is a game by Danny Garcia and <clears throat> is featured in Board and Dice. Uh, this game looks like a fun Euro, and it uh, I've heard it described as kind of like a Lacerda light type of experience where you're building out a city, or at least um, creating the new portion of, or a portion of the new city of Barcelona, right? Uh, it's kind of playing a historical uh, abstraction of the main designer who modernized Barcelona. And it, from the sound of it, it looks like each turn is full of combos and cascading actions similar to a Lacerda the game. And because of the recent, uh, you know, experience and dive into these types of games, I'm excited to see how this one shakes up because from, from the sound of it, it looks like it's a lighter experience. And so maybe it's a little bit easier to get into this game and experience something that is very similar to the cascading action and combo uh, building experience that you get with a Lacerda. Plus the city building uh, historical aspect of it as well kind of reminds me vaguely of Lisboa, which is one of which is my favorite uh, Lacerda of all time and one of my favorite games of all time. And so for that reason, I'm excited to see what Barcelona is all about. 
Number three is Age of Innovation, a Terra Mystica game. So this is pretty much the third big uh, Terra Mystica game, Terra Mystica game in that line following the original Terra Mystica as well as Gaia Project. And it looks like from the theme, we're kind of returning back to Terra Mystica, but there is a little bit more of, of technology involved. And mechanically, it seems like there are a few differences compared to the base game. While a lot of DNA is shared between this and Terra Mystica and even Gaia Project, I think there are some nuances, including modular faction boards, uh, the combining where you combine two different asymmetric powers based off of the buildings that you can build which adds a little bit more variety in who you may choose. Uh, you have a different board completely, you know, for two players versus the three to five, which is not really a thing with the original Terra Mystica. You have innovation cards and neutral buildings as well that you can build, uh, which adds some variety and different ways to score points. Similar, but not, not exactly the same as like the technologies in Gaia Project, but I think this is a completely new mechanic or mechanism. And finally, like there's changes to turn order, small changes to things like turn order, uh, going up the technology track, or which is kind of like the cult track in, in Terra Mystica. So while a lot of it looks the same, you know, after a quick perusal, perusal through the uh, um, rule book, I was able to, and, and they made it really easy to find what changes were here, were different here in this game versus Terra Mystica. And while there's a lot shared, I think the nuances in this game will make it um, feel different. And for those who really enjoy both games or one or the other a little bit more and, and just enjoy the Terra Mystica experience, I think this game is going to really shine and feel like a breath of fresh air in a similar vein. And we'll have perhaps more discussions in the future about these three games uh, instead of just the original two. So that's Age of Innovation. Next is War of the Ring. <clears throat> uh, I wrote Against the Shadow, but I know that there was an announcement of additional uh, cards for a different expansion, which I forgot the name of. <clears throat> but in this, Against the Shadow, which we've known about for a while, uh, we know that this makes the War of the Ring card game experience cooperative, as well as including a solo mode. And there probably are some more cards in this, uh, this uh, in new expansion to add to the base game as well. One thing about War of the Ring, which is a game that I've really enjoyed, is that there are, uh, you know, it's really easy to get through the deck that you're playing. And the goal of the game is not to necessarily not see all of the cards in one sitting, but to see them all and kind of go through them and play them down at the opportune moments and hopefully draw them at the right times in order to win at this game. And it keeps it very thematic as well, of course, but... Um, so I, I like the addition of new cards and new ex new ways to play this game. The other expansion that was just announced as well will add that variety as well. And I think it will really make this, this game, which focuses on an IP that I really enjoy, into a more um, expansive experience and uh, perhaps add that variety that I, I felt like was missing a little bit when I played it for the first time. So I'm really excited to see what this is all about. And that's War of the Ring Against the Shadow. Finally, my number one anticipated game is World Wonders. This is the next game by Zé Menges, who is a, a designer down in Brazil, who made Brazil uh, Imperial uh, last year. That was released last year. Even though I did not enjoy the game as much as I thought I would, and you can go ahead and check out my thoughts in a previous podcast, I was really excited about you know learning about this new game when 
it was announced uh, recently and reviewed recently online. Uh, it looks like it's a tile lane uh, polyomino city builder with uh, an interesting way to take actions. I've heard it described like as uh, Tikal, which is a game that I have not played yet, but it sounds like the currency, like the gold in this game, is used to spend for actions, and so you you can build up gold and take many actions at once and then have to rebuild it again. So there's an ebb and flow to how um, how many actions and combos you can take per turn. And the you know polyomino experience, as well as the components